Today on Green and Kirsten Get to Work, we're talking about the coronavirus. Seriously. Seriously. We're talking about the virus. And work. Welcome to Karina and Kirsten Get to Work. I'm Karina Hoyer. And I'm Kirsten Barrett. And we are so happy you're here. Frankly, we're happy we're here. We're so happy we're here. (laughs) We, like many of you, have uh, been stuck alone by ourselves. Social distancing. Social distancing and social isolation. Meanwhile... Karina and I are here. We are probably four feet apart. She is the first human outside of my family I have seen in probably three days, except for the very brief stint at the grocery store, to stock up on enough gin to last 14 days. (laughs) Here, here. And thank you so much for bringing this lovely cocktail to our recording session. And we're talking about the coronavirus today because why not? That's what we're all talking about these days. It is what we are living it is what we're living in. In fact, we've jettisoned our original subject and we've decided this is it. This is what we talk about. This is what we're thinking about. This is what is bringing us grief. Frankly, it's what's, you know. And it's what we think is bringing you grief. So we think you're struggling with. It's what we think the listeners are wondering about, thinking about, contemplating. It's so crazy. I've never been in a situation in all of my 50 years where I felt so out of control. And so just like unaware, I feel like we lack control and we lack information. And that mm-hmm. for me is a very, very, very uncomfortable place. It's been really interesting for me because, you know, as I'm a, I'm a lawyer, I do quite a bit of employment law. And I literally have been on the phone probably 14 hours a day talking to clients about measures they can take in the workplace, about what to do about layoffs, reductions in force. In fact, yesterday when I finished, seriously, I was like, I need to go to the store and stock up on gin and toilet paper. <laughs> because frankly, you need, yeah. Ex- Those are my basic needs. <laughs> exactly. Oh my God. I really want to say thank you for doing the work that you're doing. And I got to give a shout out to everyone who's doing the work that they're doing these days. I'm seeing photographs, especially of healthcare workers. Yes. Nurses and doctors and hospitals and people doing the testing and all of the people who are out there running businesses, trying to figure out how to make all of this work. Yeah. And the people who are in some ways putting themselves on the line to provide these services. Mm -hmm. You know, the person at the grocery store who stocked that gin. Right. Who's willing to sit there behind the cash register and be right in front of people and to touch all their stuff. And, you know, hopefully they wash their hands. But I think you pointed out, Karina, one of the things that's so difficult about the current situation we're in, which is uncertainty. Like there is so much uncertainty just about this virus. How long are are people infectious? How long should you, you know, quarantine yourself? How long does the virus last? How long does it last on surfaces? Like it feels to me like there are so many questions that we really can't get clear answers to. Right. Yeah. And even when I'm talking to my employers and I'm trying to find something like to grab onto to get your ground on I go to the CDC and the last thing I read from the CDC was well 24 24 hours after symptoms you can return to work and I at the same time after symptoms are over after symptoms are over the CDC is like well you can return to work and then I listened to this guy on Anderson Cooper last night who's 
28 days after his symptoms are over is still testing positive. Oh my God. Right. It's so crazy. And we're all operating crazy. with very limited information or maybe over. Actually, we're operating with so much information, but it's hard to tell what's, what's accurate. Right. Mm-hmm. We're also operating out of fear, fear, finan- financial fear, health related fears, mm-hmm. even supply chain related fears. I would love for someone just to get on the news and say, people, we will restock these shelves. The supply chain is, you know, solid. There is no information we have that the supply chain is going to fall apart. Exactly. Yep. But but I think people are operating out of, obviously, out of fear and lack of information. And um, it harkens back to 2008 when, the, you know, yeah, the, the bottom, recession, the, the recession, mm-hmm. but we weren't also at the same time experiencing a significant medical emergency. Yeah. And so... You know, it's this is layer upon layer upon layer. No, my God, thank goodness you got the gin because I exactly. can barely handle it exactly. right now. Exactly, <laughs> it was like fourteen days. Yeah, maybe twenty eight. <laughs> I don't mean to make light of it either, and I think what we're trying to commiserate and we're almost giddy because we're in the presence of people who aren't our husbands and you know kids exactly. right now. But I think we wanted to talk about this. Obviously, it's timely, but because. We're humans, and we want to commiserate with our listeners. And this is on top of mind for everybody. It's on top of mind. And we are, of course, going to focus on the workplace, which is what we do, but there's going to be so much about your personal life sprinkled through here because that's also the reality, right? Our work and personal lives are not separate. They are all blended together. (laughs) And especially when we're all working from home these days. Holy Toledo. Right. Okay. So let's just acknowledge that there is a tremendous amount of uncertainty health-wise, financial-wise, what's happening in the stock market to your retirement, to your home ownership, whatever it happens to be. Do you, are you, might you lose your job, right? We know that most Americans cannot manage a $1,000 expenditure. So people are on the edge. So there is a, just a tremendous amount of uncertainty and fear. So the reality of it is, like we said, we're all home. We're all, we're all trying to figure out how to make this work. And you know, there are a lot of things that we can do, even though there are a lot of unknowns. I think there are a lot of things that we can do as individuals, as business owners, as workers, as, as managers. managers. And so let's talk a little bit about that. You know, one of the things, you know, let's you, talk work. What has your office done? Okay. So I think that we have taken pretty drastic measures. So we have, when we went out and purchased like, another bunch of laptops, and almost all of our employees, I would say 85% of our employees are working from home. We have a skeleton crew in the office. We have like two employees on each floor. And the only people who are in the office, or it's like as 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 a must, you must be in the office basis. Like if you're meeting with a client who cannot wait or who cannot meet with you on the phone or by Skype. Um, we have folks, those folks in the office, there's no extraneous people in the office, no kids, no family members, no friends. It's just people who have to be there. We are disinfecting all of the conference rooms between every meeting. And um, so far, it's working great for us. Interestingly, one of the things we're challenged with is how we're not isolated. Like mm-hmm. we had this email go around today about how we're going to keep in touch with each other because we talked to her all day, right? Yeah. Like, so we are working on that piece. We haven't solved that piece yet. And the thing that I've told my clients is some businesses can do that. Some businesses can just send everybody home to work from home. And it's great. Depending on where you are 
in the United States or in the world listening to this, some of the things that we're talking about may seem alarmist, although, you know, we record a couple of days before it's released. So I think a lot of stuff probably will change by the time people we hear absolutely this. Absolutely will change by the time people hear this. But, you know, we're in Washington, just a little bit north of Seattle, and Seattle is obviously the epicenter. They closed all our schools today. The entire states, all the schools in the state were closed today. So we are in a different place in Washington. But what I've said to my clients is some of us need to take more drastic measures because there are those of us who can't. Like the people who run the restaurants and the bars and the manufacturing facilities, they cannot send everybody home. You cannot work remotely. So I really feel like for those businesses that can do as much as you can, because you will provide a little bit of insulation, a little bit of a buffer for those businesses who can't. And as we've said, and the news is taught, I mean, the news, you see this in the news over and over again. What is it? Create it flattening the curve. Yeah. And I was going to say that the buffer that you're referencing to um, is that every person who stays out of the general population, gen pop, as they say in prison gen. terms, everyone who stays out of the general population is one less person who's making contact and potentially spreading this. So if you are able to be somebody who can work from home, send your whole office away, do, do your work remotely, then you're just immediately reducing the number of people who are exposed. Because the, the reality of it is this virus is here and it infects people exponentially. exponentially. So let's flatten that curve and try to minimize exposure. So if you can, you should. I think that before, I think that two weeks ago, I was in contact with 40 to 50 people every day. And this past week, I would say that I'm in contact with maybe four or five people outside of my family. And that would be a lot. That's a lot of people. That's a lot of people. And so one of the things like that I've said to my clients is, and I think you said this, what you can do, you should do. Mm -hmm. And pandemics do not create really goodwill in people. I was reading a great opinion piece by David Brooks, who I love in the New York Times today. And he talked about how unlike earthquakes and fires and floods, pandemics tend to really isolate people. And it makes a ton of sense, but it does not create a tremendous amount of compassion or goodwill. And there are terrible stories about the plague in Venice in 1845 and the Spanish influenza in the United States between 1918 and 1920. There's all of these really I think good lessons for us about what happens when we're in these situations. And the call on us is to, I'm not saying don't take care of yourself, but what I'm saying is that there we need to really remember we live in community. Yeah, you were saying when you when we were talking about this earlier that where like another um where a natural disaster may bring people together, where everyone rallies, we're we're digging through the rubble to yeah. find the people. Mm -hmm. We're making we're sharing our water, we're sharing our food. Pandemics seem to... Exactly the opposite. Right. And that's not to say that there have not already been people with this coronavirus or businesses with this coronavirus who have responded beautifully. Like, I'm so impressed by the airlines. Allegiant, Alaska Air, you know, these are the companies who are the arguably the hardest hit. I have had to cancel two vacations, some Airbnb reservations, some car rentals, and I am a customer for life. The way that these hard hit businesses are handling this with grace and generosity, generosity. Mm -hmm. is noteworthy to me. Yeah. Again, we have an opportunity in front of us as employers, as workers, as community members to either 
kind of hold up, put our elbows out, sharp elbows out and keep people away and protect ourselves. Like we've seen with the toilet paper <laughs> situation. Toilet paper. Which is almost, like, I'm kind of done with that. I'm like, done with that. Like, I don't on. get it. Seriously. I don't get the toilet I'm, paper. And I'm done with the meme until I was at the grocery store buying toilet paper and I thought, oh my God, I'm a meme. I didn't you buy that much, but I yeah. just thought. No, my kid showed me this meme. It's on one side. It's this woman who's told by a doctor, you are tested positive with the coronavirus. And the other side is, I don't understand how I can test positive. I have 40 rolls of toilet paper in my house. <laughs> exactly. That's, I know. That's if, not working well. If only, if I only knew, I just want to have a map of the supply chain so I feel comfortable knowing that it'll get restocked. Regardless. Okay. So, so I guess what we're saying is there's an opportunity for abundance and generosity and goodwill. Like I even had a family member. This is a very distant family member. And their their daughter came home from Asia and she's on six weeks of home quarantine. She's not allowed to leave her house for six weeks. Gosh. She has created this beautiful rainbow colored calendar of everything she's going to do at home for the next six weeks. Yep. Movie night, cleaning the garage. I mean, it's just... I thought to myself, well, that's amazing. Yeah, I love it. She's created six weeks of gloriousness for herself. You got to find a silver lining in yeah. there somewhere. Yeah, you do. Okay, back to things that people can do or or, or employers or mm-hmm. employees, things that they can do. Another thing that we talked about was policies. Yeah. And, you know, policies can be changed. We know that. They are not written in stone. It's good It's good for, the, for you to be consistent. It's good for you to have policies, but I'll rec- also recognize that things can be changed. We're seeing and some- And this is exactly the time to change things. When, when you were just saying the airline, and the, you know, rental company and the, you know, those were policies, you know, I was given an opportunity to cancel free of charge several reservations I'd made. Which was not the agreement you made when you bought the ticket. Exactly. And they changed their policy. We've seen other employers changing their sick leave policy so that you can either adding more days to your accrual or being more generous about how you can take time off. Letting you use sick and vacation if you want to be out of the office for whatever reason it is. And for some people that are in the vulnerable populations who are not sick, I've had employers that are like, great, go home, use your paid time off, whether it's sick or vacation or whatever, go ahead and use it even though you're not sick. Right. Just get out of here. Yeah. Yeah. Honoring people's need or, you know, their their own assessment of the situation to be out of the office. And th- I have another employer who generally pays out PTO when they terminate somebody, whether for layoff or whatever. And they called me up today and they said, well, we need to do some layoffs. We think we're going to rehire in two months. What do we do about all this PTO? We don't want to pay all this out. And I said, you know, you can change your policy and you may want to tell your employees, I'm laying you off. I'm not going to pay out your sick time, but I anticipate rehiring you and I'm going to reinstate it. So there's all kinds of really creative things that you can do to maintain your business and also just not totally take everything away from your employees. So what if I'm an employee and, you know, I'm kind of I don't have a lot of sick time racked up and my business is is closing or reducing hours. Mm-hmm. My son works at the university in food service, for instance, and they've moved all of their classes online and he's no longer working. What are options for people who were living paycheck to paycheck to begin with and 
find themselves all of a sudden without an opportunity yeah. to work. What I've been telling people is you must go apply for unemployment. Whatever agency in your state does that, employment security, whatever it is, go and apply for unemployment, not just because you've been laid off, but because your hours have been reduced. Because in most states that some reduction now, whether it's 20 or 25% or whatever percentage it is, you can be compensated for that lost time. I also see there's movement in the government to provide some more kind of compensation for being sick and being away and getting paid time off. Yep. Many states now have paid family medical leave for yourself and your family. So if you're off for a long time because of this, that may be a good option too. But there are some wage backfills available. And I'm even telling folks, if you get sent home from work because of the virus, apply for unemployment. If you, if you think that you have contracted the virus in your workplace, see if you can file an L&I claim, a workers' compensation claim. Interesting. Yeah, so just be really creative because I think that many states and the federal government are going to be opening up these policies and making them more expansive as time goes on. And that's what this insurance yeah. is for. Mm -hmm. So can I ask you a question about family medical leave? Yeah, I love I love FMLA, family medical leave. Mm -hmm. Family medical leave mm -hmm. act. Mm -hmm. What if I have to care for an elderly parent who's you know, sick? Yeah, who's yeah. sick? So family medical leave only applies to employees who are employed by an employer who has fifty or more employees, and it's generally been unpaid. Although, as I said, there's some movement at the federal government to do some pay leave around that. My hope is they extend that to employers who have less than 50 employees. Okay. Many states now also have their own paid time medical leave. So you can also apply for that as well. So it, basically what it does is it protects you. If, if you have to take an extended period of time off, it protects you from termination. So it, far. So far. I, I, so far it does. Um, and I, I think we're going to see some expansion of those policies, which is exactly what we're encouraging employees, employers to also do. Figure out how far you can expand. How can you be generous without taking yourself under? How can you like compensate for the situation? Yeah. Thank you for that. You know, one of the other things that we've seen is that a lot of people's income is tied to their business being open. If I'm oh selling gosh. coffee, if I'm a restaurant, if I'm selling clothes, service industry, whatever, you know, it's hard to be generous when I'm wondering how I'm going to make my rent. And so I think I'm bringing this up for a variety of reasons. But one of which is that we all have a place, we all have a role to play. You, if you're the, if you own the building and you can relax the the rent. The rent. If you hold the loan and you can extend the terms, if you hold the policy and you can be generous with sick leave, those are the kinds. If you're the employee and you need to work more hours because everybody is sick or because you need to have your hours reduced and you're able to do that because maybe you don't have um, some financial demands that others have, just look for places that you can pitch in. Yeah. Yeah. It's really and it's and that would be counter to what historians tell us happened in yes, the pandemic. It's very counter. But as I said to you earlier when I first came into the clubhouse, I really think that this is a chance for us to do some evolutionary change around pandemics. How do we respond? And even so, okay, so those of us who are still at work, here's my thing. 
I have noticed, this is very interesting, an uptick in violence and aggressive conduct in the workplace. I've gotten more calls about somebody yelled, somebody was behaving abusively, um, there was verbal abuse, there was in one case physical abuse. So people are upset. Yeah, People are upset because it's scary, because things are uncertain. And I get that. But the question that I really have is, who are you in all of this? Right? Yeah. Are you storming around the office, stressed out, or are you calm, reliable, steady, and maybe even creative and innovative? You know, uh, Kirsten, I cannot stress that enough. And I want to say today, even at the grocery store, which I know I have a lot of stories at the grocery store, I love but the grocery store. Dear God, I have some eaters you in love my house. The grocery store. <laughs> we got a lot of food coming through this house. And Hence the toilet need for toilet paper as well, I'm going to say. But I realized that there was some point when I was at the grocery store where if I looked at the people that I was that were crowding the aisles with me and humanized. Oh, yes. You have to look. Talked to them. Mm-hmm. Said, go ahead. Mm-hmm. Or can I get that for you? Mm-hmm. That the entire experience changed. And I think what you just said about the office, you know, if you're the person who's storming around, who's sharing inappropriate perhaps, information. information or stress. We're going to have to close this thing down. Everyone's getting laid off. Oh, my God. And all know. of those kind of, I mean, and even so, they might be true. But really, nobody needs to hear that. Right. Who, Like you said, who are you? This mm-hmm. is an opportunity who are you? where we all get tested. We all get tested. Who we are as humans. What is our metal? Like, what is our metal? What is yeah. our internal yeah. metal? And I really do think that the anecdote for panic. Antidote. Anecdote. Antidote. Antidote. Why do I always mess that up? Because it's, it's like it's like every time we do this, I mess this up. The antidote, you know, an anecdote is a. Witty, I do a story, witty, a, witty a witty story. story. An antidote is. I totally know it's a witty story. The antidote is. <laughs> the antidote for panic is mindfulness. Yes, right. That's the antidote. That's the antidote. Calm your, <laughs> you know, stuff down. It be in the moment. Mm-hmm. Be present. Calm your business down. I had a I had a conversation with a friend of mine about this just yesterday. She's the one who reminded me of that. All we have is right now. Mm-hmm. All we have is right now. Yeah, we get to choose who we're gonna be. Mm-hmm. We get to choose what we're gonna do. We get to choose how we're gonna feel. We just do. Yep. In every single moment. And this is a great time for us to do that because there's a lot of suffering. There's a lot of opportunity out there. Yeah. There's a tremendous amount of opportunity for grace, you know, for compassion, for this sense of abundance. And I, again, I'm not saying that you, you know, sacrifice yourself. And by the way, to all those healthcare providers out there who are sacrificing themselves, to all of those teachers out there who've been taking care of those kiddos until they close the schools, you know, good on you all. Really, They're, they are Thanks the true for your heroes. Work. That you are the true heroes mm-hmm. in this. Yeah, and but I want to see more of that. I want to see more of that and less hoarding supplies. You know, I want to yeah. see more of that generosity of spirit. You know, uh, recently, Kirsten, you know this. Um, I started a monthly happy hour in my neighborhood so we could all get together. It's at a rotating house. And once a month, everybody, whoever can make it, makes it. And and I've met new, I've lived in the same neighborhood for 25 years. And I've met new people who have lived here almost as long as I have. But they just, they're not on my normal route. Mm-hmm. And this happy hour list has now turned into the, 
who needs help list. I love it. And that's the kind of thing that, you know, with coworkers, with neighbors, with family, with friends, this is an opportunity for us to, for us to pitch in. Pitch in. All of this is has been forcing me to both be mindful, generous, mm-hmm. and find the silver linings in it all. I don't I don't know how else to do this. Because that neighborhood thing where you're going to get together once a month and have a drink together, do whatever, get around a fire, and now that's turned into a helpless, that's exactly like those are like just the sweet, wonderful gifts that can come from these kinds of experiences. I mean, I am not saying it's not crummy and terrible. And do not get me wrong. This is one of the worst things I've experienced in my lifetime. This is really, it is. It is one of the worst things. I look at my clients who are laying off half their staff. I have one client who tells me if they shut him down, he has two weeks of payroll. I mean, this is really, really, really tough stuff. This is honestly worse than it was in 2008. And so it's these things that we create among ourselves Like, that's the thing. We create this stuff among ourselves. Where is the silver lining? Where is the gift? Because it is there if you want it. You just have to want it. You have to want it. And do it. And you have to do it. And you have to focus on it. My God, in the middle of the night when the panic attack or the anxiety is striking you, striking me, I speak from experience, the thing that gets me through is, okay, the world has needed to figure out how to work together and solve some big issues for a long time, this is a chance. So it starts with me. So it's going to start with me. I love that line. It starts with me. Yeah. And so that's what I am trying to do is to be present to my clients in a way that is calm, generous, rational, reasonable, and with my own family and my own friends and my bigger community. I think that's all we can do. I think that's all we can do. Yeah. And disinfect. (laughs) Oh, my God. And wash your hands. I've got like dishpan hands. I don't even do dishes. Oh my God. I love it. But you know, and I think the other thing, and I just want to go back, just one thing you said, Kirsten, I want to reiterate before we go, and that is there are safety nets in place. I have never had to use them and I might. Yeah. And those safety nets are intended to help you pay your bills, mm-hmm. recover from unemployment, seek medical help. Yep. There are safety nets. There There, are safety nets. There is unemployment. There is workers' compensation. There is insurance. There is Medicaid. There is Medicare. There's all kinds of things out there. And not that it's not going to be hard. I think it is. But we aren't alone. We are not alone. We will get through it. We will. What it looks like when we do get through it is a mystery to all of us. Mm -hmm. But many of us will still be here. And history tells us we'll get through it. And how we behave, who we are, what we do and don't do for ourselves, for our workers, for our community, for our local businesses, for our nonprofits, for our elders, for our Mm -hmm. children, it all matters. And that's exactly when we get through it, because we will, who are we? Yeah. I think we end where we start, right? We just ended where we started, which is who are we? It's a great big circle. It's a great big circle. Of life. Okay, so for those of you who are still working, thank you for still working. Thank you for still working. Good luck on that telecommuting thing. Yeah. It's it's rough. I think, and we've done some episodes about this. Isolation is tough. That's also real. Find ways to connect with your your peeps. Maybe not face-to-face for the next couple of months, but find a way to find those human connections. It will make a difference between feeling lost and feeling okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
All right, Karina. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for working. Bye, folks. Bye. Karina and Kirsten Get to Work is recorded and produced by yours truly, Karina Hoyer and Kirsten Barron. Find all of our episodes anywhere you listen to podcasts. You can also find us on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, on our website, or email us at yougettowork at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. (laughs) 